Now time for Chilling with Quillen on ESPN Central Texas. Ah, yes. We always look forward to it. It is time for Chilling with Quillen. Curtis Quillen, sports director over there at Channel 6. He's got everybody assigned tonight. Get ready for the game of the week. Curtis, uh, <laughs> the, the, the great blackout uh, controversy has come to a conclusion yesterday. The Bears, uh, or in the past 24 hours or whatever, the uh, Baylor Athletics has supported the student movement uh, to have a blackout at the stadium. And then um, uh, the today I, not- I noticed the uh, uniforms uh, were revealed. They're going with a green look. And I still think there are fans who think maybe that they're hiding it and that the old black uniforms that they wore circa 2013 or 14 will be uh, will be revealed Saturday evening. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And all I have to say is these are the same uniforms they've been wearing since 2019. And don't you think they would have had the black ones out by now if uh, <laughs> if they were in the in the supply closet? I mean, Baylor has worn the all green look in every home game except for the the whole the all gold thing once a year and then they mixed and matched it home once last year against Texas Tech and that is all I can remember maybe once before that against Oklahoma State in the COVID year the game that everybody in Waco would like to forget about um, at the end of the 2020 season and so look they wear all green at home it's kind of Baylor's thing at this point um don't be surprised when and don't get mad at anybody whenever they stroll out there in all green uniforms tomorrow night. Like they're not hiding anything. <laughs> Javon Overshun's not going to go on the radio and lie to anybody. Like what, what purpose would that serve to anybody? And so, you know, seeing people get upset and reading the quote tweets and it's like, Oh, way to way to make a whole fan base mad. And it's like, y'all did this to yourselves. Like no, the, the school had no role and all this hype over a blackout, like what? Well, the school actually embraced it. I mean, they were they were starting to. There was even a Twitter handle called Blackout or whatever, and they were being very critical of the school for not uh, getting behind the students. I don't know which students got after this, and the and the uh, Baylor athletics actually came out and said, "Hey." We're behind it. That's great. Let's do a let's do a blackout, and they and they right, put but, it on but, social but media. The so the athletic department sent out and said, "Sure, do a blackout. Just be there. Like that's the most important thing. Go to the game, support your team." And that's what the tweet that the athletic department sent out yesterday said. Just or Wednesday night even. Just be there and be loud. And that's the important yeah. part. That's what the that's basically what the athletic department's role in this whole thing has been. Is like, hey, we need you. Come down. Be a part of the action. This is two teams tied for second place in the Big 12 right now. This is a huge game. We don't care what color you wear as long as it's not purple. Yeah, that's a good point. There'll be a few K-State fans there, but um, it is – This is a very hard fan base to um, – sometimes you cannot make everybody happy, especially a bunch of Baptists. I've told you, uh, Curtis, before (laughs) – they they years ago Baylor was having a scandal and somebody said, um, "Well, why doesn't the Baptist Church step in?" And I had to explain we don't exactly have like a a unified Baptist Church. Okay, we've got moderates, 
We got fundamentalists. We got people all over the map. So there is no Baptist church to step in and get it because half of the Baylor people, if some church, you know, like if the Southern Baptist Convention tried to say something, well, we left the Southern Baptist Convention years and years ago. Baylor did. So anyway, it's a... uh, it is. Uh, it, the, there is no Baptist church to step in. It's just a denomination. You find the Pope of the Baptist Church. <laughs> That's right. There is no such thing. Priesthood of the believer. Let me tell you about that, Curtis. That's what the Baptist. That's what it was founded on. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we still hold to that or not. All right. Uh, I do. I like the priesthood of the believer. Okay. Uh, not to get too religious on you, Curtis. The uh, this Riesel. I always like it when you kind of jump into explaining things to people for like what kind of what level of upset that was and 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 I know you uh noted you know hey really nice win for that coach but that was a uh that was a really that was a really good win for Riesel especially given where they finished in the district and who they were playing against it was a rough night Thursday night for the Central Texas four teams is too many to make the playoffs crowd because we had three four-over-one upsets involving teams in the greater Central Texas area, Riesel being wow. one of them. And Riesel is probably the best story of the three. Gerald upends district champion Divine. The Cougars take down the War Horses. And then uh, Hamilton over Tioga. That's a pretty sizable upset there as well. Tioga coached by a former 6A coach up in the Texoma area. And so that's a pretty good upset there as well. So, you know, but Riesel – Two years under Tyler Crow, two years of winning Week 11, winning in games, two years of a four-over-one upset in the first round, and uh, Riesel has a very realistic chance to get back to the third round. The only issue with that point is then they wind up facing a Crawford team that would that had shut it out uh, late in the season, like Week 10, um, in district play. And so, you know, good for Riesel. That's an awesome win. And you know, those three weeks of practice that everybody in 3A Division Two Region 4 last year slipped up and let the Indians have are paying off in exponential dividends at this point for the Indians. All right. I'm already looking, too, at, at like who Whitney's going to play in the area around now where we got stuff happening, but we still have a bunch of stuff going on tonight. Uh, walk, oh, yeah. us th- walk us through kind of, uh, you know, we always love to kind of, I guess the game of the week continues into the playoffs. Uh, do you all – do you all carry that in and, and continue with the GOTW? What are you What are you featuring? And then, kind of, uh, how many of the local games are you going to try to have uh, footage of? I, knowing you guys, it'll be all of them. <laughs> we're We're not getting all of them, but we're getting a substantial amount of them. We had to drop one from our list for tonight because of uh, just some some staff issues that you know come up whenever uh, you have a staff of people, and we have people here, uh, and so. Um, we've got, we've got quite a few, the game of the week. This is our final one of the season. Cause after this week, I mean, they're all pretty good. We can admit that, right, Matt? Like yeah. we can acknowledge that after the first round of the playoffs, they're all pretty good. Uh, but our last game of the week, Crawford and Karen's down at, uh, at, at Midway. And I know somebody's going to say it's Kearns. Like I've literally heard people say it both ways today alone. So we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that. Um, and then, The reason we went with that one, to pull the curtain back a little bit, is our show relies pretty heavily on posting live shots and interviews and stuff like that. And so with all of the local versus local games being played last night, 
that kind of put us in a bind. So we went, basically went with, okay, who is a state championship contender that we haven't featured as much as we would like during the season? And that led us to Crawford. Um, the Pirates, I want to see how they handle it. You know, Are they looking too far ahead in the playoffs, or are they doing a pretty decent job of focusing on the Bobcats and um, you know, worrying about next week, tomorrow? And so that's what I want to see from the Pirates. I think they're. I think they can get there. This is a team that if it, if it's not for the injury bug, uh, maybe that regional final against Marlin is a little closer. You know, I don't want to say that that Crawford beats Marlin in that regional final last year if it's healthier, but you know, I think it's closer, and I think that the, the Pirates have a chance um, because some of the players that were missing, and I think that that's kind of how they feel in that locker room as well. Um, but at the end of the day, they didn't win it. Marlon made the state semifinals and, you know, uh, that I think there are people who have that matchup circled, but it's a long road to hoe. You never know. You know, we had Alan Hare in the studio doing a bracket breakdown this week, and that's up on our YouTube and our, our, our social media accounts at KCEN. And, uh, one of the things he said is, you know, block out every other game. That's not yours. Cause half those jokers are going to eliminate themselves without you lifting a finger. And it's a very good point. And I think that's kind of the approach that Crawford has to take going into this. Um, and you know, that would start with, you know, doing what it's supposed to do against the four seat coming out of a, out of that Corsicana area district. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. By the way, good job getting, uh, Alan Hare into the studio. The guy looks at home on TV and I know uh, starting out at Chaparral and, and what he's got to go through, he's got to turn that thing around, and then he'll get them back in the playoffs so he won't be available to you. But that's smart to get Alan Hare uh, into a TV studio. How did Alan like that? Did Alan, I mean, do, do, you, do you see TV in Alan's future? Uh, that is the second time that Coach Hare has come up to our studio and done that. Um, and the only two, it's the only two times he's missed the playoffs since he's been back in the central Texas area. Um, and so, you know, in 2018, he texted me after they missed the playoffs and said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And you could tell that on a Friday night, he wanted to be talking football. And I respect that so much. Like it's his first Friday night off. He could easily have just gone, had dinner with his wife somewhere nice, had, uh, gone and gone out with his kids. Let's go see a movie. Let's go. Let's go do something. And he wanted to talk football with some jamoke like me on TV. And then this year, he sends me a text and he goes, hey, man, I was just watching that, that stuff you and I did last time. That was a whole lot of fun. You think we might be able to do that again? <laughs> oh, that's that nice. I, I had to respond and tell him, like, look, I've got stricter out times than I did you know, four years ago on Friday Night Lights, but how about we do it before Friday? So he came in Wednesday afternoon, you know, because there wasn't enough going on on Wednesday. Uh, with it being signing day and with the Big 12 breakdown and all. And so he came into the studio Wednesday. We we taped uh, an hour-long bracket breakdown, just, you know, 6A to 2A all the way down. And um, we had a blast doing it. We, I got, you know, we explained kind of the coach's approach to choosing a stadium, the coach's approach to choosing a sideline, which I never knew was a thing, Matt. Did you know that was a thing that there's coaches who know the layout of these stadiums and that's how they choose the sideline that they want to be no. on, whether they want to be the home or the visitors team. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Learned that uh, talking to coach Hare. He was outstanding and he could easily, you know, if Greg Tepper is listening to this, he could easily be a great analyst uh, someday if he, if he chose to, to hang up the headset, but I don't see that in his future anytime soon. 
All right, um, th- this university at Austin McCallum, I mean, there's just so much stuff that as um, uh, kind of looking, in, you mentioned uh, Temple. Uh, I mean, there's some storied programs getting together, but, man, it's just it's fun having university uh, back in these playoffs. Now, Curtis, this, uh, this Baylor-Kansas State game, we talked a little bit about the atmosphere. There's going to be a blackout, all that kind of thing. But this has been a really interesting Kansas State team. Very solid on defense, came back. I, I had basically uh, stopped paying attention to that Texas game because it was 31-10 to 10 at about halftime, and they came rolling back. Um, I, I think in a neutral field, this would be a pick em game. Uh, th- I, this is a real even matchup. As you've kind of looked at this from both sides, um, what do you think this uh, – What do you, I, could, I, I think the scary thing will be Baylor has given up some – uh, some some yardage, especially against the run, and and Kansas State does that well, and obviously they've put up some points this season. This uh, game to me, you know, I think it is a pick 'em, and I think it's not only who has the ball last, but what's the wind doing in McLean Stadium tomorrow night? Because yes, Baylor has won every meeting in this series uh, since that 2017 loss. Uh, in Matt Rule's first season in Waco. Won it in 18 in Waco. Won it in 20 in Waco on that walk-off from John Mayers during the COVID season. Won it in Manhattan last year. Won it in Manhattan in 2019. Okay. That though, that can be true, and we can set that dish off to the side now. This is a very different Kansas State team. Adrian Martinez is electric as a, as a quarterback, and there's been games where he's been the leading rusher on top of being their, you know, their quarterback, passing the ball around. And so – you have to contain the dual threat. Weirdly enough, though, if you can get a jump on K-State, which is what Tulane did, which is what Texas did, which is what T- – well, no, TCU didn't, actually. <laughs> but, you know, two out of K-State's three losses have gotten a yeah. jump on the Wildcats and just kind of held on. Texas didn't score a single touchdown in the second half in Manhattan last week, and yet Texas still got a, a 34-27 win. And so – and that's after you mentioned a 31-10 to lead at one point. And so – you gotta you gotta weather the storm. You gotta get a jump. You gotta start fast, and you gotta hold on to that lead. And unlike Texas, you gotta find a way to score a second half touchdown because I I don't think K State is going to let that happen to it in the second straight week. And then I think this comes down to a field goal at the end, whether it goes through or outside the uprights. I don't know. I just it's one of those gut feelings I have about this game. I think these two teams are so even on paper. Um, that I think it's not only who has the ball last, but what's the wind doing and whose kicker is on it. I really think I, it's that close of a game. I'm just glad Baylor's here. I mean, Baylor, you know, three weeks ago, it wouldn't look like the season was going anywhere, and now they've got right. an opportunity. And, then, of course, if they win Saturday, then it preserves it. It sets up what could be an enormous game against TCU. It'll be big no matter what, because of the rivalry. But if TCU beats Texas and Baylor beats K-State, we got the makings of kind of like a – I mean, this is – this is it's a huge opportunity for the Bears. And remember, they, they finished off the Sooners' undefeated season last year when the Sooners came in 9-0 and yeah. and TCU would be coming in, what, 9-0 and or 10-0? and I mean, unbelievable. 10-0 uh, at that point if they yeah. beat Texas. Yeah, so it'll be a fascinating – to watch all that. Uh, sorry about your basketball team. It is still early, uh, I might add. But the uh, the Pokes of Oklahoma State um, lost one of those bye games, which is always devastating. And uh, on top of it, on one of the feeds I saw 
one of your competitors at local TV seemed to have perhaps a family connection to that Salukis team, that uh, Southern yeah, Illinois Dar- basketball. Yeah, Darby Brown at Channel 10. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's the worst-kept secret in our industry. Everyone in, in, in journalism is kind of friends, you know. We're not going to share stories with each other, but at the end of a stressful week, we might we might hang out, play a video game, or drink a cold drink a cold beverage at some uh, at an establishment, um, and you know, kind of it, it's a lot easier for us to relate. And so, uh, Darby Brown at Channel Ten, her brother was in the starting lineup for Southern Illinois last night. Uh, that's a real tough loss. Uh, Oklahoma State's had a few of those at home against, under Mike Boynton. Um, and it doesn't get easier from there for the Pokes uh, because they, <laughs> you know, those two for one games, when you got to do the one, Matt, it gets a little finicky. And uh, Oklahoma State next heads to Oakland, as in the Oakland Bears in the Horizon League. Uh, and so that game is on the road in Michigan, I want to say Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. And so not a great result. Um, neither team really shot well last night in Stillwater, but. Uh, I think Oklahoma State still has a chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. I mean, come on. Baylor lost two games, two bye games in a in the 2018-2019 season and still made the NCAA tournament. And so I don't think it hurts the I don't think it hurts the resume, but it does hurt the pride a little bit. And I have a feeling that I'll hear something about it in the press box on Saturday. <laughs> I was sitting I, I think you will, and uh, and that's that's pretty cool for her brother. That one of those by games you're talking about, I was sitting with Ashley Hodge uh, at that SFA when they beat us on a uh, when they beat the Bears on a last second uh, uh, shot, and that was not fun. And, uh, and a last that SF- shot from a Colleen native. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. A Khalid uh, native. And, boy, they turned around that bench. We were sitting down there behind it, and we may have been giving them the blues a little bit, having some fun with them. And, oh, my goodness. I remember after that game, I hung around for a while because I thought, you know what, if I'm going to sit down here and goof around with these folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick around and congratulate them. And I did. And what a uh, that was a great win for SFA. All right, uh, Curtis, uh, always a fun deal. Have a have a safe and, and uh, fun night, and we'll be watching uh, on Channel 6. I appreciate it, Matt. We'll see you all tomorrow. Curtis Quillen of Chillin' with Quillen fame as he heads out into the elements. I just hope he layers enough. Curtis has been known. He's got some good-looking uh, raincoats, but I don't know if he has anything uh, thick in terms of thermals or anything like that. So we'll keep an eye on how Curtis handles the situation tonight. Matt Lively, whew, he has it all. He's been into his winter collection already. All right, we 